everyone and welcome to another episode of the Mother Kind podcast with me, your host, Zoe Blasky, where each week I chat about all things motherhood and well-being. This week I have got someone who I'm sure a lot of you will know. Her name is Steph Douglas and she runs an incredible business called Don't Buy Her Flowers, which is a thoughtful gift company and it originally started for new mums. So Steph and I chat about how she started the business, what it's like running a business and being an entrepreneur with a family, and she's just had her third child, so she's definitely got a lot on her plate. So we talk about that, how she stays sane and manages it all. I wanted to start a business. I was realising that my old job was going to be really tricky, but starting a business felt like such a massive leap. I had no retail experience. My background's brand and marketing, so I can sell something, but I wouldn't know how to get the thing to sell in the first place. And I set myself a challenge, which was to start a blog. We also really get into marriage, what it's like to be married, how to keep the communication going within a marriage and keep it a happy one despite everything that's going on. So Steph and I chat about our experiences of couple therapy, which if you listen to the podcast, you will know I am a massive fan of couples therapy. I think everyone should do it. So I was really happy to have that chat with Steph about her experience of it. The two things we decided to do were some pre-baby therapy, which was basically it was communicating a few of our things that we were out about. Yeah. The biggest thing about it was we had a Tuesday night, we would book a babysitter. I think we only did four sessions because I was really pregnant and we did it quite late. But the best thing was that we would then leave, we'd leave the house, we'd leave the big kids, we'd go to that and then we'd go to the pub for a drink. Just having that one evening a week where we're out the house and talking... We also talk about some of Steph's personal challenges and as ever on the podcast, I like going deep. I like having those heart-to-heart conversations. That's what lights me up and I think that's why a lot of you listen. So we definitely did that and Steph talks about some things that she tells me she's never talked about before publicly. And some of the things she talks about, I don't think she's ever talked about privately either. I think it's just testament to Steph's willingness to be so honest to help other mums. And I know that what she talks about, she did because she wants to help other people who maybe have suffered from the same thing. So Steph is an incredible woman. I found her to be very wise, very funny and just really warm and open. And I really loved the afternoon that I spent with Steph. And I hope you enjoy the episode. If you did, please leave a review. Thank you for everyone who has been leaving reviews. And pop over onto Instagram at MotherKindZoe and let me know what you think of the episode. Here it is. So, Steph, welcome to the MotherKind podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to have you here or to be here. I'm in your house. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just desperately trying to tidy up. Oh, no, you don't need to tidy up up for me. So, how are you doing? Good, I'm okay. So I'm just kind of back to work. The baby is 10 months old, so I feel like we're coming into a new fit and he sleeps happening. Like, I think when he was small, I just thought it was never going to happen. You know, you have that thing where they start sleeping a bit, but then they go backwards and then they're sleeping till four, but they're not quite getting to more. Like, all that, you had that for months and then the last couple of months, he seems to be doing pretty much so seven good. till, or maybe he might wake up at six, but I can handle six. That's. Six is fine if he slept all night. It's those regressions, isn't it? You get used oh, to it. Yeah, or tea. Oh, tea. tea. But yeah, no, so that changes things a bit. And I just am starting to feel like me again. So 
good. Yeah. So for people that don't know you, although yeah. I doubt there are many people who, oh, who don't know you on the business, but you started a blog. Tell us a bit about your journey. To okay. Today. So I've got three children. Buster's nearly eight. Mabel has just turned six. And Frank, who's 10 months. I worked in brand marketing, had my first baby, was like, yep, yeah, I'll go back. Didn't really think about it that much. When I had him, thought, yeah, I do want to go back part-time. And I was lucky. I was obviously three days a week. So I went back, was basically pregnant, went, had another baby, went back. And it was during my second maternity leave that I just thought, I don't know how this is going to work. Like my old job, I managed people and I wasn't there. So someone else in the team who I was meant to be managing would know more than I did. And it was all that stuff. But at the same time, I kind of in the background when I'd had Buster, so my first, I'd received loads of flowers and it was the first time I'd ever thought about it. It was like, why are people sending flowers? It's something to care for. You've got to get a vase. They're going to die. And also, I think I've got eight or ten, like, huge bouquets, which is, you know, really kind of people because they wanted to give me something. But I then had to do stuff and I didn't have enough vases. So I started sending friends, like, a magazine and some chocolate or I'd leave food on their doorstep, which was the key bit, not to go in, not to bother them. And, and I was on maternity leave quite a lot because I had two kids close together and just the way they reacted to that, they were all quite overwhelmed. People would be really mm. emotional. And it was just because nobody else was really thinking of them. So I wasn't sending stuff for the baby. I was checking on them more, you know, or, or a friend would, I'd message them and say, I hope you're okay if the breastfeeding's a bit tricky. I think, I know we're not very good at saying what we're good at, but I think empathy is something that I'm good made at. made a business out of it. Yeah, and that, exactly. And I think I... I realised that people aren't really doing much for the mum and their mum is the person that's holding everything together and if they're okay, everything else is okay. So that was where the idea came from and I went back to work after my second and then I wanted to start a business. I was realising that my old job was going to be really tricky but starting a business felt like such a massive leap. I had no retail experience. My background's brand marketing so I can sell something but I wouldn't know how to get the thing to sell in the first place and I set myself a challenge which was to start a blog because I just thought if I can go into that space see what's around communicate with people and I was realizing at that point because I was one of the first of my friends in London to have a baby and I I'm just quite an honest person I'm quite open I'm terrible at lying my mum said as a kid I'd walk in the door and she'd know exactly what day I'd had because my face just said it and they'd know what kind of evening they were in for <laughs> so I would say God, I want to kill my husband or something. At that point, that was before you had lots of honest mummy bloggers or writers and you didn't have her out for gin and the young mumsy mum and people like that. And they all kind of started around the same time. So when I had first two small babies, I just was like, why are people not talking about that? And I would talk about it with my friends, but quite often I would bring it up. So that was where it all kind of started. So I started writing and I wrote about the anger that I felt when I had babies, which was ferocious. And having had my third baby, it's probably not quite so much because I'm aware of it, but it's still that I absolute had it. I had the rage. mid, middle and the middle of the night rage. Like wanting to hurt, physically hurt your partner, yeah. which when you had married them and it was all lovely, it's such a weird I alien feeling. I challenge anyone to be that tired yeah, look at a sadly sleeping husband <laughs> and not who left his shoes in the middle of the kitchen what the hell? and is oblivious to the amount of washing that you've done yeah. or I'm realising again it's been really interesting to do it a third time with a bit more perspective and already having started the business because I'm realising the other thing that's hard for most women is that up till you've had children you've been 
on an equal footing in that you're running around, you've got a job, you're out, you're social life, you, should we go for dinner? Yeah, there's no planning. And then suddenly you're at home all the time. So you see the washing, you're aware how much stuff you're doing, you're picking up after someone. And again, I think the more kids you add in, the harder it gets in that if he adds to that workload, if I'm at home and I feel like I'm not doing anything apart from clearing up someone else's crap, and it's the kids, that's one thing. If I'm picking up after him as well, that brings on the rage because you just think, well, I'm a doormat, I'm a servant, what am I? You know, that's a really hard thing. And I think that's where the rage mostly comes from. And you just need looking after and you don't feel like you're doing all the looking after. Yeah, I totally so. agree. And learning to let go a bit. Hmm. And Guy, is, my husband, is responsible for his own washing. Yes. And, you know, yeah. if he wants to have a different meal, he has to buy it. You know, I don't do yeah. any of that, like, looking after him. No. Really? No. But I mean, I work as well, so I guess that's... But that's, that's a bit... When you're on maternity, maternity leave, leave yeah. I think, quite often, men can't help but kind of see those more traditional roles in the same way that women do as well. Like, I think the equality thing is so hard, particularly for our generation, we're still replicating our parents in lots of ways. So we're still slipping into those traditional roles, except we're also doing a massive crossover in that more women are working. Like I think it's like 80 or 90% of women yeah. now work in some capacity. And that's very different to our mum's generation. But we're still thinking that we should be making a homemade meal or like or making food it's bonkers, isn't so it? you're trying to do everything and also for blokes they I think they're provider they you know they feel that provider role and actually quite often they are still the provider I know there's examples that aren't oh, in yeah. most cases in those early stages with a baby the bloke is earning and the woman is earning a lot less if at all so they slip into that role and they feel that pressure but they maybe can't communicate it sometimes but they also expect him to get up in the night, change an appetite. You know, I don't praise Doug for doing any of those things. I fully expect it. Whereas my mum talks about my dad and how wonderful he was because he got up in the night. I don't think Doug's wonderful. <laughs> I don't give him that. Yeah. So it's really complex yeah. and we need to do it. We it's need very to change. complex, this. It's really complex because, like you say, there's so much going on. There's societal expectations. Yeah. There's what's going on in your marriage. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that. Yeah. There's your own expectations of yourself. Like yeah. so I coach loads of mums through motherkind. And so many have that perfectionist control. Yeah. You know, so they get an afternoon off and they're writing endless lists for the husband. Yeah. And I'm like, don't leave a list. There's a really good Just article. Trust, trust oh them. God, I'm gonna forget her name now. I think within the Times it will come to me or you can put it in show notes. Or I'll put it in the show notes, yeah. So it's about emotional labour and that whole yeah. piece. And I'm finding it really interesting. I'm reading more and more about it because I think that whole thing that if you've got to write that list and do the delegation you're still the household manager and that takes up time and energy and then you've got to check if what's on the list has been done and I don't want to do the fucking list I don't want to be in charge of the list well it's like at work having a team isn't it yeah it's exhausting yeah so and I, I think but that's really hard because because Doug will say just tell me what needs doing and I'm like I want you to know I want you to walk into the kitchen and go dishwasher needs emptying washing machine needs doing you know I don't want to have to tell him to do those things and he's not a moron you know he is perfectly capable it's just a massive shift in our roles and the roles we probably saw our parents do. So it's going to take time, but I'm determined that we are going to crack it. But so, yeah. yeah, I'm quite lucky with Guy, I think. But my mum, bless her heart, when I moved in with him, mm. she said, I'm not going to give you any advice. She said, but one thing I'm going to say is, never iron a shirt. And I was like, what? 
She was like, oh, never, mom, never, never iron a shirt. Yeah. Said, because you're setting up an expectation yes. that yes. somehow and that's what you're going to look often, after him. She said, you're not there to look after when him. When you first get with someone, though, as well, I used to do much more for Doug. A lot of my friends did. It's yeah. like that hot, like Making say, sandwiches. I used to make him fucking sandwiches to take to work with a mix, different condiment every day. I'd mix it up, maybe turn it for catch yeah. like, But I don't know what that was. Like what was that? Thing. I don't know. My mum isn't a particular... Well, my mum's amazing and there's six of us. Like, she's not a mumsy mum. Like, she loves a gin, she plays bridge. But my dad's a vicar, so she's also a vicar's wife. Like, it's quite a funny mix. She loves a swear. So she wasn't oh, like that mom. kind of... Yeah. She wasn't <laughs> that kind of... Like, we had to do our own stuff. I would have to make my own packed lunches as I got older and stuff. So why then did you feel the need to do that for No dog? idea. I don't know. I fell in love and was just like, this man's yeah. amazing. And yeah. I, I think often as women, we can show our love through service. Yeah. Which is, which is that tra- terrifying. But terrifying, it's, but real. conditioning as well. So that's the other thing. There's a, another podcast, which is Cheryl Strayed. And they love do Cheryl the, the one about emotional labour that they yeah. do is so worth it. In fact, the writer I was trying to think of was, I think it's Gemma Hartley. She goes on their podcast and they talk about okay. this whole thing. Okay. And I made my husband listen to it. Or I said, can you listen to it? I didn't make it. It was the first time he got what I was talking about, the whole emotional labour, because they also have a bloke on the podcast. So he can give his... Yeah, it's Cheryl and another guy. I don't it's know the guy. Yeah, he was, yeah, but I'm obsessed with Cheryl Strode. It was really good and they talk through the whole thing but they talk about the fact that we're conditioned little girls are conditioned from very young to behave in certain ways and so they're like you can't expect us all to overnight switch it and you've got to unlearn those behaviours and once you accept that you don't find it quite as annoying and I'm not excusing all the behaviour from either of us if we're being difficult or slipping into those roles but it's a big thing to unlearn it generational and we know now that those it's cellular yeah. It's in ourselves. We can't just be like, I'm going to be different. It yeah. doesn't work that way. No, like, so I think that was really interesting yeah. for me because it's like they talk about not fighting over it because as soon as you're clashing over it, it's really difficult. Whereas if you can sit and try and work out why are we doing this or can we do it differently? I mean, that sounds really obvious, but... The resentment comes out and the bickering comes yeah. out. It's over. We had a row last night because <laughs> Buster wants to do football on a Monday... Monday's a night where I pick them up at 20 past three and they have tea with me. Like, you know, we have the whole jigsaw of a week with some after-school club and some breakfast club and all that stuff. And then I was like, you're screwing me over because then he's going to do that. Mabel's not doing that, so I've got two different pickups. And it was just this ridiculous row, whereas we could have had a conversation, but instead it turned into this blazing row of just meanness. Well, yeah, me, if you bring in being mean, that snipiness, it doesn't go. And then this morning I was like, sorry, I called you deceitful. (laughs) So he's like, take that back. And I was like, I will not. I was like, I'm sorry I called you deceitful. I just don't want my week to get more complicated. And he was like, I know, I'm sorry as well. And then it was fine. Yeah. We're learning. We're learning. We're 10 I years don't know. I don't learning. know if there's anything wrong with having arguments. Like, I grew no. up with parents who I never saw argue. Oh, God, mine argue um, all the time. Which was deeply unhealthy. Yeah. Because I never learned how to manage conflict of any type. Okay. Like, I had to learn that still yeah. am. Yeah. So I think it's really healthy. My parents are... Sometimes dogs say, oh my God, you sound like your mum. Like, they're quite bickery. Right. But they're also, funny, because the more time they spend together, now they're both retired, the more they're on the same wavelength, the better they Sweet. get on. And you can see it and they'll be sniggering about something that they've happened or, I don't know, which is really nice. And, they, you know, they've been married for a long time, 40 whatever years. So they've done all right. But I think 
I was saying to you just earlier before we started properly, but my sister-in-law is a psychotherapist and she was saying to us that bickering and the fact that we're communicating our feelings, even though that's going, you've pissed me off because you did this, why are you saying that that's not fair or whatever, is a good thing if you then work it to a solution, I guess. But she's like, you're communicating all the time if you're rowing, so it's not necessarily the worst thing. So I think sometimes you think, oh, you look at other people and think, well, they don't row. Why are we rowing? We obviously don't get on as well as them. And actually, it might be they're deeply unhappy. It's like you're seeing someone on Facebook and there were holiday pictures of her and her husband and they're really beautiful pictures and they look like really loved up and everything else. And then, like, a couple of weeks later, they announced they were getting divorced And it's just like you don't know what's going on with any other couple. You can't predict, can you, how anyone else is feeling and and whether there's lots of harboured resentment or whatever. So actually, at least it's all out on the table. Well, I think that's really healthy. I think, you know, when we were in couples therapy, the therapist said to us, she said, you're fine because you're not apathetic yet. Like, you haven't given up, which is, I think, when you stop arguing. And well, the fact you're going to counselling, not because something's deeply wrong, yeah, there's yeah, been some yeah. massive cock-up, but just because you want to... Well, everyone said that to us. They were like, why are you and yeah, Guy so going to therapy? We, when we got pregnant with Frank, so Doug wasn't massively keen on a third, and then he went back and forth and back and forth, and then it was like, oh, I'm pregnant, so there you go. But the two things we decided to do were some pre baby therapy which was basically it was communicating a few of our things that we were about yeah the biggest thing about it was we had a tuesday night we would book a babysitter i think we only did four sessions because i was really pregnant and we did it quite late but the best thing was that we would then leave we'd leave the house we'd leave the big kids we'd go to that and then we'd go to the pub for a drink just having that one evening a week where we're out the house and talking so it was almost just getting out regardless of the therapy but it was was helpful well it's just that space too sometimes I feel like unless I set up a space Mm. to really I find sharing like especially if something's hard I find that really hard still because I never had that modeled to me like Mm. everything was under the carpet so I still find that really hard yeah I just love that there's like a space and it's like well I'm paying you and it's really expensive so I better really get out what's on my mind yeah 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 exactly like I'm not I can't do that and I think that's why I found it so beneficial because I was like it taught me to find my voice yeah. in some way and yeah. what was pissing me off or not working yeah. for me, which still is like, but goes against is, my nature. Marriage is so hard. Like, I think it's so hard. I think, like, again, talking to more and more people about it and you kind of go, yeah, like the ones that are still going and they're 10, 12, 15, 40 years on, they all will say, yeah, you don't, you don't consistently love that person with the same passion. Well, you do, obviously, but you don't feel the same kindness there's no relationship that any of us have that is permanently one thing is it like you have friendships that go up and down so the idea that you have one person that's always going to be your go-to it's ridiculous like there's going to be sometimes you feel really connected and other times you're almost flatmates like we know when it's a busy week and you're charging about Mm -hmm. and you're and you've forgotten I think I rang Doug the other day to say that Buster he'd had swimming with school and I'd watched it and I was like, Buster did a really good fun crawl. Oh, and then I, and Mabel was really good at drop off. And I ran, and Frank, I'd taken Frank to like a singing thing on my Mondays that I have with him. And he'd been very cute and snatched a toy off another kid. And I rang him to tell him. And it was like a three minute phone call. I was like, if I don't tell you these things, I'll forget them because they're not significant. But then there are things that have happened. And then I feel like I'm in one bubble and you're in another. And our lives are just not connected. And afterwards, he messaged, just texted him, like, thanks for ringing me. Because 
I think again three kids is a lot and with the business and his job and keeping up with family and all the rest of it if we don't keep sharing the incidental stuff you're just sort of living separately so it was interesting because I thought that's something I did not all the time not every day (laughs) my friend just did a poo and then you know I don't need to do it all the time but just every now and then just to remind us about our little world and And I think as well like I've only been married five years but I sort of learned quite early on that like you were just saying like to Mm. expect Guy to be my you know, my lover, Everything. my confidant, my yeah. emotional support. Like, he won't mind me saying this. I get the majority of my emotional support outside my marriage. Like, mm. I get it from my therapist. I get it from, you know, I go to 12-step meetings. Like, I get it from other places. Yeah. And that really works for us. Yeah. Because I'm not relying on him to come up with being able to hold space like yeah. a therapist would. He can't do that. He dives in with solutions. Yeah, yeah, That yeah. pisses That's me off because I feel like thing, I'm being it? fixed. Yeah, I don't want to be fixed. Yeah. You know, so I can't expect him really to be able to say the right thing in that but moment. once you accept that and acknowledge that so it makes freeing, life a little so freeing yeah. so I'm like when it's like girls and it's like having a night where I go and meet certain girlfriends that you meet up with and you come away feeling like ah, you've cleared all that you've had a laugh yeah like, so one of you's probably cried I've got yeah. a couple of girlfriends every time we go someone cries so, and if we yeah, come away gonna... and no one's cried we're like what we are all flat. We are all really naked. We call ours like the therapy circle. Yeah, yeah. Literally, like I mean, they are all therapists, and I'm a coach, so it is. <laughs> it is a little bit like yeah, that, yeah. But it's just amazing. We're like, okay, this is really good. Yeah. So I think that's important. But I feel like I'm really learning constantly. Like I, I think each year, I guess, like we've been married ten years, and I'm learning still. What would you and say to someone to... who's newly married? Oh, enjoy all the sex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Um, no, you're not. I would say you just enjoy, enjoy it. Like we did, we really enjoyed. Not this. I'm not going to go into our sex life yet. No, we really enjoyed that first couple of years of marriage. Like we had loads of mates in London who were all at that same stage of just mm-hmm. getting married and like single, and so we were out a lot. And everyone's birthdays and boozing and just having fun and going on holiday. Like we did loads of weekends away or. The lady was went to Australia and had a house in Byron Bay. Like we had disposable cash as well because we got cash and time houses and yeah, yeah. Like so, I think make those memories and yeah, and enjoy having that time. But I guess and also I suppose if there's any fundamental stuff that you're realising you're different on, whether it's you argue over money or whatever, if those things start to come up, it's kind of working them through and yeah. not not thinking well we're doomed because that's the other thing. I think when I first had Buster and that felt that rage I think I probably had or I did have moments where I thought oh shit we've done this we shouldn't have done this you know we're not supposed to be together we're not you can kind of think oh god what have we done everyone else looks like they're I think that's really normal this to think that as well yeah but it's quite scary when really we, scary. we met it was quite whirlwind how we met and he proposed really quickly and we got married quite quickly and he was very different to anyone I've been out with before and like he was the one yeah same as with my husband so then when it wasn't all peachy it was a bit like oh no but actually he's still it you know he still is the right one and it's not i wouldn't say anyone has only one but like as in there's not i'm not planning more husbands (laughs) don't listen to this dog no but i just mean i don't think there is one person for any of us yeah i don't believe in that Um, either but he is all those things that i fell in love with but it's harder as you get more responsibility and you've got more children and there's more distraction and we're going to New York on our own in a couple of weeks. And again, I, you have people, I've had messages going, gosh, I can't believe you're doing that. I just wouldn't be able to leave my kids. And it's like, we worked out 
early on because we had all our friends getting married and we were kind of forced into weekends on our own when we just had Buster to go to weddings and things where kids yeah. weren't invited yeah, and, same meant, us, yeah. and every time we did it we were like oh we really like each other we need a bit of space and some sleep you know if you take all the crap out we are still here it's still Steph and Doug and everything's peachy so I think that has taught us that we need that time I mean we don't need to jet off to New York but I'm very happy yeah, so, good. <laughs> sure. but so it's our Over ten, your ten years, yeah, yeah it was in so June nice. and Frank was still quite little so I wasn't ready to go but I was like I think I'll be ready by September and I know I will I'm, I'm gonna have moments where I feel really weird about being away but we've got to both sets of grandparents they're splitting it so they're each doing a couple of days so they'll be fresh and but I always think like I always go away for a week I mean on my own not with my husband lovely every year which I did I've been doing for ages and I thought when I become a mum I'm not going to change that Mm. and everyone was the same like how are you leaving her for seven days but she's with her dad yeah Yeah. I was like she's with her dad Yeah. yeah and also when I got home the first time, it was like walking into a different relationship between right. the two of them. Yeah. They were just... Yeah. And I always think that, like, when I'm going away, I'm like, actually, I'm giving myself the gift of some space, connecting yeah. with Guy or myself yeah. or whoever. But then I'm giving the grandparents that gift of that time yeah. with their... Yeah. It's not the same as when, oh, no, you're, when there. you're there. It's, it's not the same. same. Actually, my kids so I think we need to go away to give there. the grandparents or whoever else. Well, we don't want. have we don't have anyone like our grandparents are a couple of hours away, so we don't have anyone locally. So actually, they tend to do yeah we're weekends the same. rather, than, and they're really good at that. Like they're all sort of stepping. Although they haven't done three children before. <laughs> are you going to so, leave a list? Yeah, I probably only for the, the big kids are absolutely fine. Like oh, yeah, they're, for, they're, for no, they're, they're, they're you know they're six and seven, so they can communicate everything. And actually, they'll probably be quite helpful. Frank, I have said to them, you know, you're going to be able to help Nana and Popsy with what to do, and they will. They'll be fine. They're really lovely with him. So oh, sweet. Yeah, the age gap has worked out. I was so nervous that they would just be completely disconnected and. But it's actually worked out. They're so lovely with him, and this well, morning, they, they, they understand it. And it's probably like growing that nurturing side of yeah. Them. Oh my god! Like seeing Buster, so he's the eldest. Seeing him with Frank, and this morning he was in Frank's room, and I was going getting bottle, and Doug was upstairs or something, and he was like, "Mom, Dad, quick, come, Frank's standing, he's standing." And he's like standing like two or three seconds at the moment. Oh. But Doug came down and said, "It's so nice to hear how excited he is about yeah, the milestones." Yeah, because he's in it. You know, he's. I didn't expect that at all. I wasn't because they they're close together, Buster and Mabel. So they don't have that with each other. The same, you know, Buster's not going to be excited for Mabel learning to ride a bike. He's been like, I've been doing that for ages. And yeah, okay. <laughs> Whereas Frank's special because he's that much younger. So it's quite funny. So apart from jetting off to New York, what yeah. else do you do to look after yourself? Me personally. Yeah, and give yourself that space. Um, and... Gym, I like exercising, okay. gym, running. I think I worked out when I was, well, I, I had a really unhealthy relationship with food from when I was about. Probably all of my childhood, actually, but for quite a lot of my teens, until I met Doug. So I would have been, like, 25. Yeah, and for me, he used to play rugby professionally when I met him. And so he has a really straightforward, healthy attitude to food. It's like, you know, fuel versus out input versus output like it's really clear but he, not as in he doesn't enjoy it like he loves food and he, he when he was training he could eat the most phenomenal amount of food because yeah. he was training like six hours a day 
It was pretty gross, actually. Yeah. But he has a really healthy... And he's like, and if you eat loads, if you want to go for a run, it's, like, like, it's just really uncomplicated. Not bringing the emotion and Yeah, it. really uncomplicated. And he's not going to guilt himself or anything. Anyway, and that... I literally. So was yours overeating or undereating? Um, binging, binging and purging. Yeah, and then sometimes undereating, and so just really messed up. And did you go to recovery groups? No, or did you do nothing, therapy? Nothing. Really? And when I was, I think when I was pregnant with Frank, I started to feel just a bit out of control. Like, oh, I'm going to get fat. Oh, but it was just that early stages of pregnancy where I just felt funny. I, you know, for me, it's exercise. Having that endorphins and all that stuff but also it just makes me feel a bit tighter everything just I just feel like I'm a bit more in control and I, so I don't need to limit anything I eat it's really yeah, what's your relationship with food like today good I eat mostly fairly healthy and I like to have I'll make myself a juice or whatever yeah. like I and I wouldn't sit and eat masses and masses of chocolate whatever but I will eat what I want to eat and I don't you don't have that mental narrative no, anymore no not in the same way I, st- I still every now and then think mm, I don't look like I want to but I think for that I think Instagram actually has been really interesting recently with people showing real bodies and that's changed like accepting my own body and the fact that I know Nat from Star Me Sunday I think what she does I think yeah, is brilliant yeah I love her and Bryony Gordon is yeah. doing amazing yeah. things just going like bodies have dimples bodies have wrinkles bodies have rolls like that's what you don't see you might see a bigger person or a smaller person but you don't see that texture in bodies Mm. and I think that's what I have probably wanted to like oh that bump there I wish I didn't have that some of it's just your shape like you can't change your unless you go in the surgery you can't change your basic shape and so wanting to have a body that you'll never... thats I think that's what's really worrying. Your self-punishment. Yeah. At the worst level. Yeah. You're striving for something that you're never going to achieve because it's not even if... And, and you could be very, very thin, but you're not going to have, you know, a tiny waist and a big ass if you don't have that shape. And I'm really conscious of it with having kids and stuff. You know, I don't want them to be aware of that. I wasted so much brain space as a kid, as a te- it was a teenager thinking I was I think it's the worst like I haven't ever suffered from it but people in my immediate family did so I know Mm. what it looks like the obsession with food and it's just it's horrendous I can't imagine how hard it is I just always felt a bit like I was gross you know I was not I didn't have the right shape I think I had lots of mates at school who were little like shorter I'm not that tall I'm five six but I was felt big and I was chubby as a kid I was really chubby so it was just I didn't like what I saw. So do you think becoming a mum healed that, or do you think it was I Doug? Think Doug his... I think genuinely, yeah. I think like, he was the first person I ever told. Wow. So, and properly spoke to, you know, yeah. and was really ashamed and embarrassed, but knew it was a key part of me that I needed to have to... Mm. And I think as soon as that was out, and he was like, God, that's mental, and why would you... you know, you're... And he thought I was this yeah. most amazing thing. Obs. So I think... <laughs> Which you are. Yeah, so that really worked out. Also, I do look after myself in doing Pilates. I had a slip disc a few years ago, so I needed to do that. That made me have to look after myself physically. And I like exercising. I like what it does to my body. So it's funny because the body positivity thing, there's a whole piece that you go, are you supposed to want to be slim? Are you supposed to want to be toned? Are you meant to be... But I like exercise. I like what it does to my body. But I'm not saying that everyone should mm. be going. I mean, to do for that. me, the body positivity thing is all about the energy that you bring to yes. something. Yeah. So, 
if you're bringing like that punishing energy yeah. to food or working out, yeah. as in like I'm doing this to hate, my, you know, to yeah, get, yeah, you know, like yeah, all yeah, that yeah, crap, yeah. like yeah. fat is yeah. sweat crying, all that horrible messaging, oh. Oh, yeah. or like actually, which is I guess where you are and where I am, is you know, actually it just makes me feel really good. Yeah. I mean, I do yoga, so it's not about weight loss yeah, at all, but yeah, yeah. it's just like, it just makes me feel good. Yeah. And that's how I try and eat these days. Like, I don't eat chocolate. I I I actually really love chocolate, but it just makes me feel bad. So I try not to have too much of it. We went to Italy, which was just like... Oh, yeah, I saw it. Food and booze and everything else. And I came back and was like, oh, I really could do with a couple of weeks of just eating things that I will yeah. feel like and then your body starts to, to crave it yeah, it yeah 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 and I think that's okay like that's alright the only yeah, thing I think good. with bodies and weight and food it's in the same as relationships it's never going to be constant it's no. never going to be what because you're going to have times where you're tired or you're working really late so you're eating crap or whatever and it's no point punishing yourself no. for those bad times just accepting that it's a wave and it will sometimes you are and you're generally going to feel better when you're looking after yourself but if you're not or you haven't been able to or you know like when you first have a baby eat the cake eat the goddamn cake eat whatever you can you get near your sugar, mouth you need, yeah and I, when I was actually that was my last kind of freak out so every now and then I like have a bit of a oh god I don't feel happy with my body or whatever and when I was pregnant I remember a friend came over and she bought me a cottage pie and all I wanted when I was pregnant with Frank was carb I just wanted loads of carbs and bland foods no flavor and usually I would eat loads of salad and veg and stuff and my friend came over and I burst into tears and was like I just want to eat all the shit and I'm freaking out because I haven't had any vegetables she was like I tell you what blend yourself up a whizzy, like a juice in the morning get some nutrients in and then fuck it off all day yeah. don't worry about yeah. it you know yeah. she was like yeah. you'll come out of this phase in that first three months that's all I wanted to do I just wanted to sit and eat potatoes but I think that our bodies are way more intelligent than our mind yeah. I mean I sort of believe that with all my heart yeah so I think if you're craving carbs that's because that's what your body needs and I would have been moment. knackered and the same with sugar like when you're knackered you crave sugar because yeah. your body's like I need something yeah so I'm always like just trying to listen to yeah like honestly if I try and have a sugar binge I'm like I feel like I might actually don't want any more no like, yeah, I always yeah, think yeah. I want it yeah, like we yeah. were camping last weekend there was loads of crisps mm. and I was like oh great mm. actually I was like I just don't want it it wasn't no. that I was being evangelical or like trying to be healthy it just didn't make me feel great so I was like oh yeah but it's funny I think it's an ongoing thing probably for me and also having kids, you do kind of go, oh, what is the point? But I think that, again, that's yeah. the really... Yeah. And the other thing that Nat did was the Warrior Woman yeah. project where everyone stripped down to their underwear. And that was standing around and seeing other people's bodies and realising that you're all sitting there going, oh, God, look at my tits, look at my belly, look at my... Crew. But I wasn't looking at anyone else's body and thinking that. I don't, you know, you're not looking at someone else and going, oh, look at her hips. You're just thinking of yourself. And then you see all these amazing beautiful people who you've thought were beautiful yeah, and then you see yeah. them without many clothes and you go okay they all have still more they yeah made, or still beautiful and they're still beautiful yeah. that was really good for me that was really good I think more so than I think Nat realizes and I had a friend actually who saw it all and she wore a bikini that summer and she hadn't worn one for like eight years since she wow. had her first baby and got stretch marks on her tummy and then she's like fuck it who gives a shit like and there was Yvonne who has Kemi Telford the shop oh yeah she on um, that she was talking about I think it was her sister who passed away not that long ago 
and we were talking about like who gives a shit because you kind of we were all like firing each other up like yeah and everyone that was like I couldn't get people to put their clothes on by the end of it everyone's like strutting around which walked was hilarious the tube in their everyone walked in so nervous and covered up and I was shaking when I first took my clothes off <laughs> but she was saying that when they lowered her into the ground nobody was saying oh she was a good size whatever or oh she had a great set of abs like no obviously it's about what she'd done who, who she how much she loved or how much so she loved she yeah achieved or her children or and you kind of go yeah of course it is but I think again it goes back to that conditioning so you need reminding of that and you need a way to switch your body so I, I think what's happened with me is I still probably have some of the feelings and emotions that I had as a teenager yeah but I know how to rationalise them and switch them off and quieten them quicker or I say to Doug, oh, I'm feeling really fat. And he'll just look at me and go, oh, my God, Steph, I wish you could see what I see. And oh, you kind of think, yeah, okay, you know. And also I look at pictures, and this is something that I've always done. I'll look at a picture and think, oh, I look all right in that. But I can look back and think, on that day, I remember thinking I was repulsive. No, I, was, I did the same the other day. And I think, like, what yeah. a waste of energy, that time and energy to go through that in your head and torture yourself. How awful. And you would never look at someone else and think that. You'd never say that to a friend. No, you don't think it. It doesn't even cross your mind. So, yeah, I think all the conversations that are happening around that at the moment are so interesting. And I just, yeah, you want it to change. It has to change. Did you see Jamila Jamil's interview? No. It's on YouTube. I couldn't even... (laughs) It's on YouTube, but she did an hour interview and it talked about all this and growing up in the 90s and seeing supermodels and all the stuff that that does to your brain. And it's really interesting she talked quite a lot of sense even though yeah, she's I mean, a Hollywood actress now yeah it's interesting yeah interesting. yeah so thinking then about where you are now where mm. you want to go and what are you working on personally so have you got anything that you are you know, we've talked about relationships and always learning and then I'm going to ask you the same question with the business okay I think probably I need to like sometimes if my initial response especially at this I think I'm still in the quite early stages you know Frank's not one yeah really yeah there's still hormones or there's still tiredness and so trying to calm myself before I get cross about something that's really mundane and actually Mm. I don't know if you follow you me and the big c podcast yeah and Rachel Bland who's one of the presenters died last week and that again is a reminder where you go come on like when you're stressing about the really pointless things and yeah, I'm like having a bickering and having a round yeah. you're like come on this is you know you could lose it all tomorrow and think of how her family must feel and have Deborah who is bow babe on Instagram as a friend and I saw her briefly I'm seeing her tomorrow but she's just lost a really good friend and to cancer which she has like that's a total head fuck if I can like that's the only way I can think to, can think to explain it and she's just doing amazing things. Both the girls, the other girl, Lauren as well, they're doing amazing things given that that that's the hand that they were dealt. Yeah, it's a big dose of perspective, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. And, I, and I don't think like you happens. can have that all the time. I don't think no, of course it, you, not. it means you'd be, the, da- you'd be the Dalai Lama. Yeah. I mean, that's like not Singing real life. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just something that with age maybe it comes where you can rationalise. When you've been more reflective about how you behave and how you feel about things, then you can go, actually that's not a good way to be and being able to stop and think about it but yeah and actually Doug had cancer he was diagnosed with yeah he was diagnosed with cancer when Buster was when I was pregnant he was 14 weeks pregnant yeah and actually his cancer is not curable so he still has it's really difficult because people always say oh but he's okay now and you kind of go 
Yeah, because it's not worth explaining, but he's, there's he's no... living with it, He's then. living with it. There's small traces of it, so he has to be checked out. Oh. He had radiotherapy, was nearly eight years ago that he finished, because he finished the day before I went into labour with Buster, which was early, oh, so my body just gosh. obviously had been tense, tense, tense with the pregnancy and then just release <laughs> the day after... And he was, I was 30 weeks. You found it quite weeks. triggering then what's happened with Rachel and a little bit. We've made us talk and actually I was listening to the podcast the other day and he and Doug came in and I just burst into tears and like it's so wrong that that's happened to some you know, it's so unfair. Mm. And we just stood in the kitchen just and held each other and like because <laughs> it was it was a really hard you know, I was pregnant and it was then do you know what was the I not imagine how what was interesting? Well, and your mind drifts into the, you know, I was imagining right shit, I'm gonna have a baby and what happens at his funeral. You know, you can't help but go down that road. And it's yeah. not helpful. And our consultant was brilliant at keeping us in the now and just kind of saying yeah. when you go, what are the chances? What are we gonna do in six months? What if it's not worked? What if and he was really good at going, you cannot there's there's stuff you can control and there's stuff you can't and we're gonna stick with what we can control. Like a coach as well. Yeah, he it? was he was really good and actually done the sports psychology that he would have had to do when he was a rugby player was very much about that. There's stuff you can control and the stuff you can't. You've got to keep bringing yourself back to Stay that. in that circle. I always talk about that as yeah. well. Yeah. But I think what was actually harder, and I think that's really interesting that the girls have covered in that podcast really well, is the mental side of cancer. So the fact that whether you're cured or not, or whether you're living with it, or whatever happens after that treatment's finished, is going to change something in your mind forever. For you and for people next to you. And actually, in some ways, I guess you could say we're all facing death all the time because it's the one guarantee. But that premature shit, this is, I've got something in me that is trying to kill me, is a massive thing to get your head around. And Doug actually did, he's done a couple of boxing matches and he did Ride 100 and raise money and stuff like that. But really physical things. And for him, that was about showing that he still had in control of his body and that his body could still do what he, he was wanted still it strong to do. And, yeah, yeah, because he was a sports person and fit and never smoked you know it wasn't he was 30 when he got it so and it was quite late stage three so it could have you know if he hadn't gone to his doctor and said no I want to be referred because they were like oh I'm sure you're fine he had his hand on the door was about to walk out because he'd had night sweats and that was about it and a bit of a loose tummy like there wasn't a major thing going on but because he knew his body he, oh, that's amazing he, he but he, he talked you know we've talked about it, he had his hand on the door about to leave like he was that's like a sliding doors moment. Yeah, and he said, actually, do you know what? Refer me. Because he had private health, actually, through his work at mm. the time. So he said, actually, I want you to refer me. And they did. And then they came back and that was... He had cancer. So I think for us, it's had impacts at different times. So when we had our first baby, Doug was quite ill because he'd had six weeks of radiotherapy. So he was... Have, so you had an ill husband and a newborn. Yeah, but it's a really funny one because he, if I say, like, he had to sleep in another room, he couldn't breathe. It was in his throat, so he couldn't breathe properly and stuff. And he was off work for six weeks, like, at that point. Or, Frank, I think he went back when Buster was six weeks or something. And he needed to recover, obviously, because the radiotherapy totally, it's not even the cancer, it's the radiotherapy that completely zaps you. And it's kind of cumulative, so it's worse when it finishes. Right. So he couldn't be there at four in the morning in those first couple of weeks. But if I talk about that, he gets quite upset because he gets quite defensive. Of course, Because yeah. he was doing everything he could. Like, he couldn't have done more. But it must have been so hard for him, like, first child, yeah. like, wanting to... Yeah. 
Well, like, and they physically, which I guess is his thing, right? His yeah. thing's strong, yeah. not being able to yeah. do that. man, all the... Yeah. At the hospital, they, they kept me in, because he was a bit early, but also they knew that Doug had been ill. Was it he, the same hospital then? No, but oh, they, yeah. he came in and you could tell. <laughs> he looked pretty worried. Yeah. I think we probably told the midwife, because yeah. it, it was all very fresh. It was all going on. And they kept me, they were like, and I was like, oh, no, I'm ready to go home. They were like, do you think you maybe want to stay in another night? And they were so lovely, and they looked oh. after me. Because Doug couldn't, you know, he was at home. Yeah. He needed just a bit more time to recover. So, yeah, but I think when we had our second, it was almost worse in that he wasn't ill anymore in the same way. And I think I was resentful. It brought back memories of the first time interesting okay and so I had massive expectations of all the things I wanted him to do but I wasn't communicating it very well but it was because I was resentful that with the first one I'd had those four in the morning wake-ups when I had no idea what I was doing since my first baby and that's not fair to him to be resentful because he couldn't help you know he was trying to handle cancer so you know it's not always rational is it and also he and he was also not rebelling from it all but he freaked out a bit because suddenly he had two kids and, yeah, and he probably energetically would have felt the weight of your expectation yeah, and yeah a bit so like, there was Whoa. all sorts going on so we really struggled a bit when we had Mabel but again we kind of worked it through and we could talk about it now so yeah it's all the rich tapestry of life eh? like this, <laughs> but it's just I think it, it's always everything's challenging isn't it and babies are chatting adding babies into the mix is tough yeah I mean I honestly don't know how people do it without like I still have weekly therapy I mean I don't know how people do it yeah. without so I'm like <laughs> then uh, I don't know I just I need but it's space. interesting because people are different as well yeah. aren't they? I think it's what I think that's the key thing it's recognising what you need I'm a talker so I yeah. need to and I think you're a talker too yeah, like, yeah. I need to like talk things through that's how I get my insights yeah is through journaling or talking. Yeah. And writing, I found, so well, back to, I didn't answer any of your initial questions about the blog and the business, but writing the blog for me was really therapeutic mm. because when I first started, Mabel was a year and a half. So I was able to reflect on those first months and had a bit of distance from it, but could talk about our relationship and the anger that I'd felt and laugh about it as well. Because I think the other thing is, it is funny when you have a ridiculous row it is because funny. you called your husband... What did I say he was? Deceitful. Deceitful. She's not deceitful. But being able to laugh about it, being able to talk about that, being able to share it with your mates or whatever. Like, you know when you get married? Or with a few thousand people. Yeah, or with a few thousand people. (laughs) But you know when you get married? Wherever you get married. And I know in church, they kind of say, do you, the congregation, promise to or whatever. And they, you know, it's about support. We do. We do. And all that. Quite often, couples are really isolated. A lot of people I know are feeling really isolated and they're not communicating with anyone else what they're going through. And then almost by the time they tell anybody, it's too late. Like, they just said to their mate, oh, we're really struggling and I feel this anger at him, especially, like, talking about new babies. Mm. I feel this rage. And then if your friend came around and go, oh, my God, I feel the same as that. And then you can talk about the ridiculous row you've had. And it's actually quite funny, but it's normal it takes something off, it takes something away. That There's so much power in sharing and taking the mask off. Yeah. But you have to, in a way, weirdly, I think you have to be, have processed enough. A lot of people will say to me, I have to have processed enough in order to do that sharing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's quite, I think it's quite hard. It's that, personal, it's really personal. It's to be like, 
it's really hard. Yeah, and, and uh, as a sharer... I mean, I'm a sharer. I'm an oversharer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think <laughs> I, I just see the benefit in it. Yeah, same. And then that's when I started the blog and I'd get people going to me, oh my God, this is how I felt. And it was about that anger or the fact that, you know, you have kids and all you've got left for each other is the dregs because you've given all the good stuff to your kids and your work and your friendships and you're scraping along at home. And then when people say, oh my God, this is how I felt. I really love that bit of it. I yeah. felt really good about that. Yeah. Yeah, that identification. Yeah, because it makes me feel less alone, but also you feel good for having shared. And the same with motherhood, talking openly about how hard it is. And I'm very aware that it's hard from a privileged position of having a partner and a house and all those things. But there's lots of people who are struggling, who are finding it tough. And it's still tough. It's still relative to to you. It's still tough. And if you can work out that it's actually maybe that's what it is when you share it you can get that perspective mm. because you remember that it's normal and all those things I think and like the drawbridge post that went a bit nuts because I was basically saying that I found it really stressful when I had babies to have people over and I've recognized and this is an ongoing thing again that when we have weekends with no plans we've got one coming up this weekend where we don't have any plans, we can do what we want, we haven't got to go and see anyone, we're not going to be anywhere by a certain time. And I think particularly when you've got a small baby and you've got that schedule and you've Getting got out the door. Yeah. It's so yeah. tedious. But also if you're late or they're late, like someone else being late cocks up your baby's nap and it's you're processing all that and but still going, Oh, it's fine, never mind. Ha yeah, yeah. these things happen. Yeah, yeah. and actually <laughs> if you can just be at home or go like my favourite is we'll go to the local park, we'll go for a walk, we'll take a ball we'll go and get sandwiches, might have an ice cream, like, or we'll go to the pub and have some food. Like, it's easy and simple, and everybody benefits. Like, the yeah. kids are happier, yeah. we're happier. I think kids prefer it, to be honest. Yeah, they do. Often. I think I'm realising that more and more. And, you know, you still want to do the fun stuff. I took the big kids to Chessington at the end of school holidays, and they loved it. But they also are really happy hanging yeah. out at the local... Jessie says to me all the time, saying to her, she says to me all the time, she's like, I just want to go to the park with you and Danny. Mm. That's genuinely what yeah. lights her up. Like she's not interested. I think it's my expectations where I'm like, let's go and do this, let's yeah, go yeah, do this. Yeah. And, and then stop doing you, all of that. You've been expensive out. as well. It's really expensive, but also you've planned out the next like month and you're looking yeah, at the diary. Yeah. And then I get that anxiety where I'm like, oh God, like, I've got two nights, I've got a night out tonight and tomorrow night. So I'm driving tonight so that I don't drink and yeah. stress myself out. And like, but you feel that low level anxiety of, oh God, I don't want to be more tired. But it's the same with weekends and having yeah. too much on, I think. Yeah, yeah that's a, a massive thing. But writing about that is really good for making it clear in your head. And then that validation, I guess, I, you know, everyone needs a bit of validation. People coming back and going, yeah, I felt like that. And that made me feel really good. But when that took off and I was posting weekly, I mean, I haven't written anything for ages on my own blog, but I want to. It's kind of just finding time. Yeah, yeah. That gave me the confidence to start to go, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to quit my job and start the business because I'd self-started, I guess, to do something I'd connected with people. I could see that other people found motherhood tough in the same way that meant that if they found motherhood tough, then if they received a gift that was all about TLC, that would make sense. So the fundamental idea of the business, which now we do gifts for loads of occasions, but at the time it was started for yeah, gifts the heart for of it. Yeah. 
it all just fitted together and it just meant it's like there's something in this and what's next for the business have you got I mean you're only just back in so just back in yeah but when it's, it's going so in nearly four years it's wow. four years in November congratulations yeah, that's a big deal well, that you've, get, been, you've kept business going I know and you don't realise that I think I, I met with a friend do you who, celebrate that we will I'm sure this yeah. year, like last year I think I was just about to have Frank so I was all a bit <laughs> just very pregnant when we had the kind of year anniversary but I think yeah, I've met with a friend who started a business just a bit before me, and she was like, "We're still going. Like, lots of people aren't. Or they start, start doing the something The stats really are different. quite shocking. Yeah, aren't they? so How I think many don't keep going. Yeah, and we've grown year on year. So, yeah, I think the plan I've got like involving more people, getting more people involved in the kind of marketing and, and that side of things. And I've been doing some work with Clemmie Telford actually, because oh, yeah, yeah. her background is branding and creative direction and also worked at Facebook so she can advise on stuff there so she's been looking at some stuff for us which is really interesting because the key thing for us is the thoughtfulness behind the packages and making sure that that's really clear Mm. throughout the whole thing and the you know it's quite emotive the reasons that people send the packages are quite emotive emotive. And, and the messages they write in the package and all that stuff and that's what makes us different to other gifts and other gift companies where they send lovely things but it doesn't have that care and TLC in it so if ours is like a thermos mug and tea it's around the idea that as a new mum you never get a hot cup of tea so everything's got a real thinking behind it and I think that's what you know we get lots of people have the cry when they get a package because they get that that person that sent them something is really thinking about them and what they need and that feels really good when you're feeling like you need some looking after or so that's been way more powerful than I ever I don't know what I thought I was doing, but it's turned, it's turned out really well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't, really you know, I didn't, I hadn't, I knew that there was this gap and I knew that mums need looking after. But then when you go into the whole bereavement and actually miscarriage, we mm. get people sending for miscarriage because it's the same thing. Like you don't want hundreds of bunches of flowers, but people don't know what to do or what to give you. And like we work with cook food, so you can add a cook food voucher it's like brilliant take something off that person's plate yeah, if they've had yeah. a baby or they've had it's a almost limitless like the opportunity for thoughtful yeah and that's what we felt so like now just, it could be for anything we're 25 percent of packages bought for new mums and the rest are all these other reasons wow. so bereavement get well or even just sorry you had a shit week or sorry your husband was a dick or yeah. divorce yeah. like yeah, anything yeah, i mean yeah yeah it's really interesting and and it means you know it means for us it means the market is that much bigger but also you kind of think oh we've really hit on something and you can have a bigger and bigger impact yeah yes it's so exciting yeah i think it the standards of cancer one for obvious reasons that was really great to work with them so and we worked with deborah from bow babe and some other great women who all have been through or going through cancer and they were fed into what things did they receive or what could they have received that would have really like deborah had or used to wear a cold cap during chemo and she was like it's grim it's really uncomfortable you're cold and so she said a blanket some sort of luxurious blanket so we've got this lamb's wool 100% lamb's wool made in a factory in Scotland like a little family run factory in Scotland like beautiful blankets which and they're expensive so we've got like there's different options so you can spend 30 quid you can yeah spend i think i spent quid. like 30 quid yeah and i felt like it was really yeah. accessible yeah and that's i wanted it to be I mean, yeah but they all fed into those ideas of things that would have given them just that bit of comfort cashmere so- whatever it is that was really good you know mm-hmm. working with them has been really good and carrying on we're still working with them so 
it's funny because you get some people going, well, are you aiming for like a high-end market? Like, Actually, no, there's so many businesses and brands that want to be really high-end, you know? And that means things are overpriced and it's all about how it looks and the branding. And obviously, the packages are Yours is about the emotion, not about the price point. So no. I, I know, you know, you think, is that need to want to be thoughtful or, mm. and then you can buy it as you're on you know your site you can go up to a hundred pounds can't you, you like more you can more add some of them you can, or, you can or, add or, or 20 you quid or you so, can spend 20 quid and I think that's really important for me because yeah like you said accessible I don't want it to be something for especially because the things that you're talking about are things that happen to everybody yeah exactly exactly so, oh I can't wait to see yes yeah, so so yeah. and at the end of every episode I always ask the same question mm-hmm. and I do normally tell people and I've not told you so you can have to think <laughs> on the spot <laughs> sorry <laughs> you'll be fine which is if you could give one gift given you're running gift yeah, yeah, yeah. to all the mums in the world what would it be and why I would give the. Do you need a physical gift or a gift? No. Anything. Okay. A lot of I, people go for a non physical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, they don't need. I mean, they obviously would have a don't buy her flowers package. Yeah, yeah. Let's take that as a given. Yes. They've got the package. I would tell them that they are enough. I just think it's so. Okay, I'm going to get emotional. It's so sad how many women feel like what they're doing isn't enough like whether that's because they're not working enough or they're not at home enough and it's like oh it's horrible because everyone's trying to do their best like apart from the few people who are possibly on Jeremy Kyle or something the majority of us are really and actually they're trying to do the best with what they've been given what they've been given yeah so I think everyone's trying to do their best with what they know and what they can and I think that's so important because if you accept that about yourself rather than beating yourself up and it's just energy like we don't have none of us have got more energy to waste most of us are a bit tired or we're working against something whether that's like trying to sort out a different way of working or relationships or trying to juggle your kids or all of those things it's like you're all everyone's doing their best yeah, it's such a nice message. So everyone listening, <laughs> just breathe that in. Yeah. And Steph, you are enough, more than enough. More than enough. Thank you so much. So that's it. Thank you for listening to the episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And if you did, please do leave a review on iTunes. It does make a massive difference to the number of mums that we can reach with this content. If you were listening to that episode, thinking about one of your friends that they might benefit from what we were chatting about then just tag them in on instagram my bio will include the link to the podcast so they can find it really easily from there people often tell me they're desperate to share it with their friends so if that's you then please do i feel like the guests that we have on the podcast their wisdom just deserves to be heard far and wide so help me make that happen I'd be very grateful. And also, if you want to send me any comments or thoughts about the episode, then please pop over onto Instagram at motherkind underscore Zoe. And also, just to let you know about my coaching. So I do work one-on-one with mums on my programme, which is a three-month programme called Reconnect to You. So if you want to work with me on taking your power back in any area of your life, then please do get in touch. Just drop me an email, zoe at motherkind.co or look on the website, www.motherkind.co. That's it. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care.